Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn to Romans, Romans chapter 6, as we press on in our great, glorious study of this gospel, the letter to the church at Rome. Romans 6, we are in a section that started back at chapter 5, verse 1, the sermon title day is Union with Christ, Union with Christ. Charles Wesley has helped us with the hymn that we just sang, the central truth of the sermon, I believe, an apt one would be that verse that we just sang, he breaks the power of canceled sin. We're going to talk a lot about God breaking Christ's finished work, breaking the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the phallus clean. His blood availed for me. That's what's really going on. We've got to, uh, in Romans 5, we've gotten to a, a section of the letter where we're studying the outworking of what it means to be justified by faith, what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be born again, how to live as saved people. In chapter 5, you'll recall that chapter opened with Paul declaring there in the first verse that having been justified by faith, chapter 5, verse 1, we have peace with God, and he goes on to unpack other aspects of our great salvation, we've been reconciled, this great reconciliation we have with God. And then the chapter, you'll recall, we talked about that being a difficult section. They work through this contrast, comparison and contrast of Adam and Christ. And in Adam, this reign of sin and death, sin reigning, death reigning because of Adam. But in Christ, this reign of life and grace, grace abounding and last verse, verse 21 of chapter 5, grace reigning. And that brings us to where we are, a little bit of context. Let me remind you of the purpose of the letter. Chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. What an invitation I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We might say that in chapter 6, we're seeing an outworking of what the gospel's power looks like in the life of a believer. The gospel is powerful to save, to transform. I love the account. This is from Preaching the Word, Commentary on Ecclesiastes, and I know you heard this eight years ago probably. If you remember it, you were paying attention, but I love this example of how powerful the gospel is. Luke Short proves to us, Scripture declares to us, but an illustration of that one of my favorite examples, a writer says, of God's surprising harvest, the gospel harvest, is the conversion of Luke Short at the tender age of 103. Short was sitting under a hedge in Virginia when he happened to remember a sermon he had once heard preached by the famous Puritan John Flavel. As he recalled the sermon... Short asked God to forgive his sins right then and there through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He lived for three more years, and when he died, the following words were written on his tombstone. Here lies a babe in grace, aged three years, who died according to nature, 106. 
But here is the remarkable part of the story. The sermon that old Mr. Short remembered had been preached 85 years earlier back in England. Nearly a century had passed between Flavel's sermon and Short's conversion, between the sowing and the reaping. It's a picture, an illustration of how powerful, Paul says, the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And we, as believers, we've been saved by God's grace. We've been justified by faith alone, right? God's grace has come to us. And so this wonderful text we come to today, it really, we're going to Start there in Romans 6, verse 1, and really we should go all the way to verse 14, but that we used to say in the corporate training world, be careful in um, having folks endure more than their backsides can handle sitting down. That might be more than you could handle, so we're going to two parts. So you're going to get part one this week and part two, Lord willing, next Lord's Day of our union with Christ. But what I want you to see, even before I read those seven verses, it's all about what Christ has done. Indicatives. You will not find a single imperative in these first seven verses. In fact, you have to get all the way down to verse 11 and 12 before you get to any commands. And our victory in the Christian life is not in our doing. Our victory in the Christian life is not in our doing. Our victory rests securely in what Christ has done. You will see that declared with a megaphone in our passage this morning. So if you're able, would you stand while I read Romans 6, 1 through 7, and we'll unpack this wonderful, wonderful text together this morning. The word of the Lord in Romans 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin." Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this rich, glorious gospel word. We pray you would grant us grace, power, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, God, that he would open our hearts, our minds, God, that you would guard us and protect us from distractions, Lord, that we would clearly hear your word and you would, by your grace, Lord, empower our faith and our living out this great gospel. We pray, God, that you would um, ground us in the gospel. Thank you, God, that we are secure, Lord, not because we have done something, but we're secure because, Lord, in your word, it reveals the glorious gospel truth that our 
the ground, the foundation of our standing with you is secure on Jesus Christ, his person, his finished work. And Lord, help us to live out this gospel, to walk in a manner worthy of our Lord, we pray, for your glory, for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So union with Christ, you can see we didn't encounter that phrase necessarily in the passage, but that's clearly what is going on. And we're really moving to this study. You'd almost say chapter Romans 5 was a study of our justification. Uh, We have peace with God. We have reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God. And chapter 6 is moving to what it means to live this gospel, our sanctification, to live as those set apart for Christ's purposes. And what you're going to see in Romans 6 is this. There's been a death and a burial in addition to Christ, and that's our own death and burial, our death and burial to sin and sin's reign. And we definitely uh, see the opening of Romans 6 grounded in the context of uh, what he has just said in chapter 5. So look at verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Well, that begs the question, say to what? What shall we say then? And the question relates back to what he has just discussed. Look back on verse 20 of chapter 5, to verse 20 of chapter 5. And he said something that has struck them as Uh, difficult to receive, difficult to believe, and they're trying to process this. Verse 20, the law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And then he talks about as sin was reigning, now grace will reign. So the question on the table, what shall we say then? And the question that they're pondering is the second part of verse 1. Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase. Well, if the law came, so transgression would increase, but if sin's increase brings more grace, one might think, here's what we do. Well, let's just sin a whole bunch. Let's just really, really have a sin party, and as we pile up sin, will that make grace all the more glorious? And so that's how they're thinking, this idea of this antinomianism, this question, if, if it's helpful, to, if it makes grace shine bright, we sure can do this in our flesh, let's sin a bunch. Now that sounds appealing to fleshly folks, those who are prone toward sin. And he says, listen to this, verse 2, may it never be, may it never be. And so we're to live out this great gospel, but we're misunderstanding the gospel. We think, hey, by sinning more, that'll be a, that'll be a good thing for Christ's kingdom, for God's glory. And so this union with Christ, again, is going to be that verse, central truth. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free, and he's going to set out on this journey of telling us how we've been set free. So union with Christ, I want to come at it from a couple different angles, uh, three angles. Number one, what Christ has accomplished for us. What Christ has accomplished for us. Look at Romans 6 verse 2. He says, and he says this frequently, this is a familiar way for Paul to speak, may it never be, and it'd be like, no way, no how. That's emphatic. May it never be. You can see the Exclamation point, exclamation mark, I should say, in our English Bibles. 
may it never be. And why would that be nonsensical? Well, look at what he says next in verse 2. And this gets into those, those indicatives. What, what is it that Christ has done? And he, he poses a question in verse 2. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? How shall we who died to sin? We have died to sin. Five times in this passage we get that word sin singular, not sins plural that we commit. And sin, how is it that we, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Over and over and over you're going to see he's going to references. Drop down to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, with Christ, in order that our, look, our body of sin, singular, End of verse 6, we would no longer be slaves to sin, singular. Look at verse 7, he who has died is freed from sin. And sin is used in this passage as um, not as multiple sins we commit. That's an outworking of how sin's used. But sin is used in the singular as a, a, a power, a master, a ruler, one who reigns. So we won't live in the reign, the realm under the realm of sin. Why won't we do that? We'll go back to verse 2. Because look at our state. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? We've died somehow in Christ. I love what James Montgomery Boyce says about this verse in his commentary. Listen to this from Boyce. The statement is even more important than that, our dying to sin. Listen, this is the first section of Romans in which Paul begins to talk about the Christian life specifically, that is, about living a life of holiness that is pleasing to God. If Romans 6, 2 is the key to understanding this section, and it is, you say, what's Romans 6, 2? May it never be that we would what? That we would run up the sin meter so that grace might increase. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So Romans, if Romans 6, 2 is the key to understanding this section, it is therefore also obviously the key to understanding, understanding the doctrine of sanctification. To understand this statement is to understand, listen, how to live a holy life. That's what we want to do. We want to live holy lives. So to understand this statement is to understand how to live a holy life. And because it is the key to sanctification, I would go so far as to say that Romans 6, 2, listen, Boyce says, is the most important verse in the Bible for believers in evangelical churches to understand today. Wow, that's profound. So we want to unpack that, our union with Christ. And this first point, what is what Christ has accomplished for us. Well, verse 2, may it never be how shall we who died to sin still live in it. And then we get this string of indicatives. Well, first of all, verse 2, we're now, listen, dead to sin. Verse 2 said, we have died to sin. So that's, our, that's, that's a positional truth. So when think about it, chapter 5, when we were in Adam, we lived under the power of the realm of sin. Now that we're in Christ, since, listen, since our conversion, we're in Christ. And by the way, I love how Christological, Christ's finished work. Look at how he refers to the Lord Jesus Christ in this passage. Look at verse 3. We've been baptized into Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the, the Savior, the promised one, the anointed one, Christ Jesus. Drop down to verse 4. So that as Christ 
was raised from the dead. So he's, he's connecting our identity to what Christ has done. And what he says under this first point, in Christ we have been delivered from the penalty and power of sin. Most of us don't debate that we've been delivered from the penalty of sin. That somehow sticks in our head better. I talked to a few people who are in Christ who say, I just, I just doubt that Jesus has really, really forgiven me of all my sins. We get that. But in our living in living life, trying to live holy lives, we question, I think, a lot more this reality that we have been delivered from both the penalty and power of sin. And I want you to see this. I told you it's loaded with, I, I, I envision these seven verses. Here's the illustration I have of these verses. It's almost like, so imagine that you have a very, very, very wealthy relative. So let's use a worldly example. And then we'll bring it over to our lives in Christ. You have a very, very wealthy relative. And um, your aunt. And uh, she passes away. She had no other relatives but you. You travel to, uh, let's make it fun. You want to, let's travel to Manhattan to meet with her lawyer. Okay? We're going to have the wheel read. And um, the limo picks you up at LaGuardia. Right, Y'all just tracking with me? We're going to Carmine's for Italian food after. Amen? Some of y'all been to Carmine's, you know how great and glorious that would be. We go into the room, and they declare to you that her home's in Florida. Her home, I started to say California. Let's leave the home in California. <laughs> nah, anyway, so Florida, the home in Manhattan, the studio apartment in London, all that's yours. The hundreds of millions of dollars, all that's yours. And you're just sitting there receiving that. That is sort of what it's like, but in a much more glorious, lasting way in these verses that tell us what our treasures and riches and inheritance is and will be in Christ. Stay with me and see if it won't hold up to this. Look at verse 3. What Christ has accomplished for us, pay attention to the tense. Verse 3, or do you not know that all of us, look, believers, I love that. He's putting himself with us. All of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized in his death. So we have been what? Baptized into Christ Jesus. And we've been baptized, so we've got a real part in his death. Drop down to verse 4. Look at these indicatives. Therefore, we, so not only have we been baptized into Christ, verse 3, verse 4, we've been buried with him through baptism into death. So this have been our participation, somehow God's saying that we've participated in Christ's death and we participated in Christ's burial. I like what um, one commentator said about this. It's not that the believer in baptism is laid in his own grave, that's true enough, but that through that action is set alongside Christ Jesus in his grave. We've been laid over in Jesus' grave. We've been, look, we died when Christ died. And now drop to verse 5. I told you it's all over the place. Verse 3, we've been we have been baptized into Christ Jesus. 
We have been baptized into his death. Look at verse 4. We have been buried with him. Drop down to verse 5. For if we have become, look, I told you, union with Christ, if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Drop down to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self, what does your Bible say? We'll be crucified? Was crucified. Our old self was, past tense, crucified in Christ. Wow, glorious this is. So since we have been united with Christ, his, Christ's one act of obedience, chapter 5, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection means we are now able, Paul's saying, we now have victory over sin. And listen, we won't live under sin's reign. Something we need to hear. And we need to hear it over and over and over. Because we think so many times that we, this defeatist mindset, I love what Dr. Schreiner said about this. Paul's main concern in this text is, text is not baptism. It's never mentioned again after verse 4. What animates his whole discussion is the significance of Christ's death and resurrection for believers. So, what Christ has accomplished for us. And it's just over and over and over. These Think about it. Nowhere in those verses does it say, here's what you need to do. Isn't that glorious? And by the way, so many places where the gospel's distorted is, man, I'm going to tell you, and by the way, you want to talk about a gathering I don't want to come to? Let's, talk, let's everybody come together and let's talk about how did you do last week and next week? You need to do more. You need to do better. I would say if I look over the last week, I'm not real thrilled with my performance. Are you? I'm really thrilled in my standing with Christ because he will hold me fast. What Christ has accomplished for us. Now, let's go second. What Christ's accomplishments, I want to come at it two ways, what it means, just the next two points for our lives now, and what it means in the future. All right, so go back to verse 4. Here's some now language. Look at verse 4, and I'm going to show you. It's just so clear in the text. Look at verse 4. Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore, look at your Bibles, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Now, you might say something like this. I don't necessarily feel that. And I'm going to tell myself and I'm going to tell you, what difference, what is, what's our feelings? What difference does that make? Does that change the reality? I'm telling you, verse 4 is what is. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Now, here's the purpose of this. Look at the right now. So that. The Bible tips us off on purpose language all over the place. 1 John 5, 13. I've written the, to you who believe. So that you might know that you have eternal life. In order that, so that, that. Purpose language. Look at verse 4. Romans 6. We've been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. Now, I told you the second point is what difference it makes now. Look, into verse 4. So we too might walk right here, right now, today. Nothing future about that. 
we might walk right here since our conversion, that we might walk so that we might walk in newness of life. And by the way, that's why I want to fight to the death to get the gospel right all places. But I think of that, uh, I love what Rosaria Butterfield said about our, our, um, our national idol in America, the LGBTQ. Here's what I want to proclaim the gospel to, to any community, this glorifying sin here in Christ. In Christ, look, look at the verse. We've been buried with him through baptism into death. So Christ's death is so glorious, is so sufficient. As Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk right here, right now, in our lives now, in newness of life. So in Christ, in our conversion, we are made new. We are transformed. We are empowered to walk in a new life, new desires, new behaviors, new divine power flowing through us. That's the good news of the gospel that Luke Short tasted. So it's not like, hey, come to Jesus and, and you're pretty much just going to limp through. You're going to limp along this side, but you get heaven. That's not what Paul's saying. He's so much, Christ is so much more than that. So we too might walk in newness of life. I love that. So that. So in a real and transforming way, we are sharers in Christ's death, burial, resurrection. And right now, are to, listen, we are to live differently, but listen, we are different our nature has changed, so these are present, there are present right now implications of our part in Christ's resurrection. Here's what I want you to see. So, as believers, we still, I start to say experience sin. That sounds like victim language. I start to say we experience sin episodically. We still sin episodically, right? We do. Word, thought, deed, we've Transgress God's command, and we fail to do all that God has commanded us to do. But we sin episodically, but based on these truths, listen to this, believers, if we have been born again, if we've been justified by faith, we will not live in sin habitually, lifestyle, pattern. Sin will not be stronger than Christ is in us. Isn't that glorious? So we win over our battle with sin. He says we, listen, not that we win. We have won. Let's stick with the indicatives. So if we're coming with victim mindset, this sin's just overpowering me, then hey, let's dig into the gospel because we know we have the victory in Christ. Christ's accomplishment makes difference in our lives. Now, drop down to verse six. I've, I've got more under this second point. Look at verse six. I love the language of the Bible. Knowing this. I hope, I wish, I'm crossing my fingers, I'm written. No, 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 I love this. He just declares, and I love this language, is precise, divine truth, knowing this, that our old self was crucified. Look, with him, purpose language, remember we said verse 4, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might right now walk in newness of life. Look at Purpose language, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin, what, what a profound, our, we're, our body of sin, that we, we lived under the reign that Adam, that reign of death and reign of sin, but we don't live there anymore in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. You know what he's saying there? We used to be slaves to sin. 
And we're not anymore. We're no longer slaves to sin. Man, that, doesn't that make you want to stand a little taller? And, we, and so we'll, we'll use that language, and, and, and some, that can be appropriate. So sometimes our pride needs to be knocked down. You know, it's like, well, I'm just a, I'm just a weak sinner. Well, no, you're a saint. You are a saint. You have victory in order that, so that, I love that, in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. What a humbling reminder. Our testimony is we used to be slaves to sin. And we, we served that master, and it didn't go well for us, but by God's grace, we have been saved, and we are no longer slaves to sin. Do you see that? We've been, now look at verse 7. For he who has died, now, we had a president one time that couldn't tell you what is means, but I'm going to tell you what is means. Look, he who has died is. Is that like over 100,000 years from now and tomorrow in the sweet by and by? No, no, no. If we're in Christ, look, is right here, right now. We have been, our state is, we have been freed from sin. Do you see how that inspires? That inspires gospel holy living in ways that like verses. Like, I'm going to tell you something. If you think you're going to see heaven, you better be living according to this book. Oh, yeah, we want to live according to this book, but it flows. Our, our living flows from that glorious, that glorious ocean that is God's grace in Christ and what all Christ has done. It is finished. And in that victory we're no longer slaves to sins to sin and we have died and we're freed from sin i love that he hadn't told us to do anything so this this passage this morning I'm, I, you'll see that when we get there three things at application time i'm not there yet i'm almost there but not what we need to do but what we need to know what we need to lean into but listen to this illustration it's all over the bible colossians 1 colossians 1 verse 9 listen to this language for this reason, he's praying. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you. Praying for the church. What's he praying? To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now look at this, strengthen with all power according to his glorious might, not our might, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and like that he's praying that we will live in accordance with who we are in Christ. Oh, our brother just read, and that's why we picked that. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But these, I love this, these, these truths, these divine truths that are ours in Christ, our union with Christ. We, we look to what Christ has accomplished. And second point, what, what difference does that make now? And all, I love that. So that as Christ was raised, what well, we can now walk in newness of life. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. He who has died is freed from sin. So what Christ's accomplishments, accomplishments means for our lives now. Third, finally, what Christ's accomplishments mean for our lives in the future. So here's what I want to say. Think about that second point, all those in order that and these indicatives. Here's what Jesus has done. Here's your part in that. Here's what Jesus has done. Here's your part in that. Over and over and over again. 
That makes a huge difference now. But then we also have to be clear, it's already not yet. We're not in heaven right now, are we? We are absolutely not in heaven. So that that's, makes a huge difference now, but there's an aspect of this that is um, future. So what Christ's accomplishment means, what does that mean for our lives in the future? Well, drop down to verse 4. My point is in verse 5. So go to Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore, we have been, past tense, buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. You have to say, by the way, the majority of the passage is focused on the difference Jesus Christ accomplishments make here and now. Look at verse 5. For if... We have become united with him in the likeness of his death. I I love the the language of that, certainly. Certainly we shall also be. Also be. Don't you think, isn't the only future language you can find in the passage? Everything else is present. Look at this. Knowing this, verse 6, or or verse 5 I should say, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So I, I love the language of that. We've got all these. Now, now, pay attention. I know you feel like you're like in, we're working on grammar. But the grammar is glorious gospel. So I, I started to stay earlier. Yeah, I love that in school. And I'd be like, put our thinking caps on. Put our holy thinking caps on. Verse 3 Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? So all that's past, right? And by the way, when did we come to experience that? I think the meaning of that is at our conversion. At our conversion, we were born again. Verse four, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. What Christ has done in the past and difference it makes here and now. Seems to be unique, verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, that, that's, by the way, I love his language there. We, we have been united with Christ. When Christ died, remember we talked about in chapter 5, Adam represents humanity, Christ represents humanity. And if we're with Christ, then We have become united. So therefore, his death is what? Our death. His burial is what? Do you see what he's saying? That's what he's saying. Our burial. His resurrection, our resurrection. So he represented us. Remember, so Adam messed it up for what? All of us. But it's it's fixed in Christ. And then look at his language. Certainly. Now you want to talk about gospel truth to sustain people who are living in the land of the dying. If, verse 5, we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, let me tell you something, we have. Listen to this language. Certainly. I love that. Wouldn't y'all be nervous if Paul said, man, on that day, I just don't know. There's no, I just don't know. 
certainly we shall. Now, y'all know I've beat this horse enough intentionally. We shall. Has that already happened? No, we shall is what means this yet, assuredly. By the way, it has, since when God speaks something, it's like it's already happened, but for us experientially, listen, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. By the way, that takes me back to, you don't have time for that, but I think of all those. Remember the disciples there and like, hey, let's just keep the bad guys out. Let's lock the door. Jesus is in the room. And we just studied with the youth this morning, Acts 1, 8, the birthday of the church, Acts, actually Acts 1 through 11. And you got the apostles standing there and you got these two angels standing there and you got the risen glorified King, Lord Jesus Christ standing there and he ascends back into heaven. And by the way, I love that question. It's like, you know, like, why are y'all staring in heaven? It's like, well, not every day. You know, you know, I was over at Sam's yesterday and two guys ascended into heaven right there in the parking lot. And then I was over at Lowe's. I saw a lady, she just, right? Why are y'all looking up into heaven? Like, oh my word. King Jesus, who had descended from heaven, has ascended back into heaven. And guess what? Paul tells us just like that gospel power was so powerful that God's divine power delivered Jesus from his grave. And he says, I love this, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So Christ has been raised. He is in glory. And listen to what Paul said over in 2 Corinthians 4.14. Knowing, knowing. Do you see the emphatic language? Certainly knowing, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. Isn't that glorious? What a difference. So we have victory. Second point, right here, right now. Over sin, but let me tell you something. We don't have ultimate victory yet. Ultimate victory is coming. And we just sang that. Steve and I were just like the, we, we, we just have sing along with the passage and the verses. We just sang from Come Thou Fount, right? I told you, can you keep two songs in, in your head at one time? Charles Wesley, over a thousand tongues to sing. Here's the central truth, I believe, of the passage. He breaks the power of canceled sin. When did it get canceled? And Jesus paid for it on the cross. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the phallus clean. His blood availed for me. And then we just sang, come thou fount. Listen to this verse that we sang. And it's this third point from our passage. What Christ accomplishments mean for our lives in the future. Here's come thou fount. Tell me if this doesn't sound sweet to your ears. On that day when freed from sinning, freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Full arrayed in, what will we wear? Full arrayed in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. 
Come, my Lord, no longer tarry, bring thy promises to pass. He's singing about this. So the second point is, here's what Christ's accomplishments, the difference right here, right now, that matters Monday morning, Sunday afternoon, and then the hymn writer picks up on, here's the difference it means in glory and for our lives in the future. On that day when freed from sinning. Church, we're going to see his lovely face. We're going to stand not hiding over in the corner, dirty, filthy, oh my word, no, full arrayed in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. And by the way, as we live together and love Jesus and walk in this life, doesn't this appeal get stronger and stronger? Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Bring thy promises to pass. So how do we... And again, this is just half the sermon. So we're going to stop here and we'll pick it up at verse eight next week. But how do we, what do we do with this? Well, again, I told you it's not our doing. Applying the gospel truth we've studied. Three ways I want us to do that. We'll get some imperatives next week. There are some implications of what we need to do in our sanctification. By the way, think about that with... um, the language of Scripture. You show me a verse, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Who's that on? That's on us, isn't it? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God, what? Who is at work in you? But you don't get that kind of language with justification. Work out your justification. No, justification, quiddle, God's courtroom before God's bar, see that we get this right. So next week we will study some imperatives for us. They're few. But three things that we need to know that I bet you already know, but that we need to know more. Know, first of all, that we have been united with Christ. Right? Chapter 5, that language. Hey, are you in Christ? Let me tell you, you have peace with God. I just, no, 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 no. Maybe our lives are a mess and... No, 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 are you in Christ? Are you resting? Are you in Christ? Remember, these, these verses are not, it's like, we're about to go in that gym, and we're going to tell who has put in the work. You're going you, to get there, and we're going to see what your max lifts are. And then we're going over to treadmill, and we're going to see what you got. That's not the gospel. Therefore, turn back to chapter 5, where the section started, verse 1. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Drop down to... Verse 10, chapter 5, for if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. We have peace, we have reconciliation. And now, it's almost like now we're, we're in basic training. Some of us are way beyond basic training in our years. But we're king. Well, by the way, oh, I love that. Oh, Luke Short entered basic training at 103, didn't he? And that gives me hope. Sometimes I'll be like, y'all remember what we studied next week? And people are like, you preached last week? Or last week? I'm like, yeah, I did. But Luke, remembered God brought to mind a sermon over 85 years previous. This this great gospel truth, we rest. We rest in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done so we don't go into the gym and say, I'm going to tell you, we're going to see God's looking for some Navy SEALs. You're going to be on his team. You better bring it, brother. He'll send you home so fast. We talked about that with youth this morning too. Peter, cursing. I don't know him. Preach Pentecost. Throw Peter in the woods. Throw him in the garbage. Peter's off the team. No, 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 it's a gospel team. So Peter stands up and preaches Jesus. The gospel's for broken, failure, pe- uh, failing people who are sinful. But then he says, Paul said, that's not who you are. 
because you're in Christ, crucified with him, buried with him, baptized with him, raised with him. Now go live like you are. We don't go in there to prove our worth. We just glorify our great king. Oh, that's so beautiful. Know, first of all, that we have been united with Christ. Know that. You got to tell yourself that. Know. By the way, if you are, how do you get united with Christ? It's really one act on the human side. Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins and place your faith, your hope, your all in Jesus Christ alone. Repent and trust. But if you've repented and trusted, these are comforting, assuring words to give us joy and to keep us standing firm. Know that we've been united with Christ. Second, know that we have victory over sin. Listen to that. We have victory over sin. It's penalty and power. We can live holy lives. I remember one of my friends growing up that I would spend time with and um, a, a relative in his family, uh, he had a really bad temper. And he just said, listen to this. And, and he's like, well, our family, we just have bad tempers. Can I tell you, that won't cut it. That won't cut it. Do we have to hear more, David? Yeah, listen to this. So that, as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So it won't cut it to say, you know, I'm just a victim of sin. That's just how we are. No, no, no. He's saying here, that's... Jesus is stronger than that. Don't give that ground. Well, you don't know how strong my desires are. And here's what I'm going to say. You don't know how strong Jesus is. You meet him and lay your desires before him. And let me tell you, he might not do that in an instant. He might not do it in a week. He might not do it in a month. But I tell you what, he, he's changed a lot of my desires. Anybody else? And he's changing them. So know that we have victory over sin. I love this. It's penalty, full payment, and it's power so we can live holy lives. Third and finally, know, know that we will have victory over the presence of sin. I love that. In, in Romans 5, sin's reigning. And since sin's reigning, death is reigning. And so sin and death, we still battle, but there's local battles but the war has been won. We just got to play it out. We got to trust God. He's going to play it out. Know that we will have victory over the presence of sin. For if, verse 5, last word, and I'm going to pray. If we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly, man, if you're an underliner, underline, certainly we shall. Certainly. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for um, this passage. Lord, we thank you for the truths that are ours in Christ. Lord, we, um, we are so prone to um, having a performance, uh, works-based mindset. Praise you, Lord, that our salvation is not dependent upon our work, our striving, our moral behavior. For Lord, none of us would ever be saved 
Thank you that salvation is a gracious gift, fully purchased by the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What we read just previous Lord's Day, it pleased you, Father, to crush him. Thank you for full atonement. Thank you that our sin has been defeated, paid for. God, we love the language of this passage. We have been freed from sin. Lord, we don't feel that most of the time. I don't feel, we don't feel that. Uh, but Lord, our holy living flows from uh, the, the truths, the declarations of what your word has said. So Lord, plant these truths in our fretful hearts, our weary hearts. Uh, Lord, our, we believe, help our unbelief, our unbelieving hearts. Uh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what Jesus has done. Lord, would you empower, enable, motivate us to go out of here this very week and live these truths. Lord, with reckless abandon that we would experience um, Lord, we have, but we would experience the power of the gospel. Lord, that we would see people who we love, who are lost, Lord, be transformed by this great gospel. Lord, we thank you that we have a part, but Lord, our part is, um, flows from, Lord, not flows to. And so thank you for Christ. Thank you for what Christ has Done, Lord, we don't boast in any gift or power or wisdom. We boast only in Jesus Christ alone. So, Lord, ground us in the gospel. Lord, help us to think of ourselves rightly. Lord, and we, how we long for the day where we have been delivered from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, but we bump up against the presence of sin we bump up against the presence of death because of sin. And oh Lord, how we long for the day that we will see you face to face. Encourage us in the journey. Lord, help us to run the race well. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who has run the course ahead of us. Lord, would you so many needs in our body, Lord, so many needs. Uh, we don't even know our own heart fully. Lord, we don't see ourselves rightly. You do. So, God, we pray in these moments in the rest of today and as we go out this week, Lord, that you would work powerfully in us and through us for your glory, for us to be more and more like our great King Jesus. And, Lord, we pray he would come quickly. Amen.